One of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then, some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There, they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What are we to make of that story? None of the stories in the Bible are there just by coincidence or because they needed a bit more to fill up the parchment. One of the things that strikes me about this story is its authenticity. If you were writing a story about Jesus, you wouldn't bother to include the fact that here were two disciples, insignificant people, one of whom didn't even have a name, in the account, going to a place called Emmaus, 
which is recorded nowhere else. No, we don't know where Emmaus was. We know from the Bible account that it was six or seven miles from Jerusalem, but we have no idea where it is uh, now. The, uh, it was just a little tiny settlement, probably just a small group of houses. And here these two uh, unknown, insignificant people met with Jesus. But they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. We don't quite know why not. Maybe it was traveling into the setting sun and their eyes were blinded. It's not likely really if it was Jesus by their side, they would not be blinded there. Maybe it was that they didn't expect to see Jesus. He was the last person on earth that they expected to see. I thought that was very well conveyed last week when uh, the reporter, ace reporter Jeff, interviewed an anonymous disciple and you saw how they were feeling before they knew that Jesus was raised from the dead. I must tell you an interesting story. I was sitting in the front row with my five-year-old granddaughter and uh, uh, when um, it was announced that there was an anonymous disciple coming and Tom with his balaclava came on, she whispered to me, is, is that Peter? And I said, no, no, darling, it's Tom. It's Tom, the vicar. And she said, I didn't know he was one of the anonymous disciples. <laughs> Never underestimate what a five-year-old would know. But let's come back to why the story is there. And for me, there are four things. We're not going to take long on this, but there are four things that I draw from this story and why I believe it's in the Bible. The first is that Jesus meets us when we break bread and drink wine. In, in Revelation 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in, and I will eat with him and he with me. There's something very special. Maybe we've lost it in our church, and we should. maybe I've lost it. We should find it again about the importance of meeting around God's table. But more than that, I think that God does meet us when we eat together. That's why it's really important for us as a church family to eat together, to invite people around for meals, the Passover meal. There's something different when you're actually eating with people and Jesus is there in a very special way. The second thing I think is that Jesus meets us where we are. He comes to us. These two disciples were not looking for him. They weren't seeking for him. Their life was over. They were like two members of a, a football supporters club going back after a cat catastrophic defeat. But Jesus met them there. And we don't need to pray for Jesus to come and meet people because he's there in their situation. He's there in your situation. If you're in a dark time, he's there. It may be dark because you can't see him, but it's not dark because he's ever left you behind. And he turns our cold and despondent and broken hearts into warm hearts. They said, were our, was our heart not warmed when we were in his company? That's the second thing. The third thing, that he meets us in the way that is just right for us. These two disciples needed somebody walking alongside. They didn't need a big flashing light. 
But you know, the road to Emmaus can also be the road to Damascus. And if you think about how uh, Jesus met with Paul, what Paul needed was quite different from what these two disciples needed. And so Jesus it never runs out of ways of speaking to us. And for some of us, he may speak in the quiet of a nine o'clock communion service. For some of us, he'll speak when we're on a lone retreat. For some of us, it'll be in the countryside when we're close to nature. For some of us, it'll be when we're at new wine or we're praising God with an awful lot of noise. And each one of those is legitimate. Each one of those, we don't need to say, if only they knew the pleasure of meeting Jesus in this way or that way. Because Jesus knows what we need and he meets us in that way. But you know, the last thing, and I've saved the best to last, the last thing that I think from this story is that Jesus meets us one to one. There's no biography of a great man or woman in history that is quite like the Gospels. Because Jesus meets insignificant people who wouldn't be known to the world if it wasn't for the fact that he had met them. Lazarus, Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus, the woman at the well. All these people known only because Jesus came alongside them. And Jesus isn't afraid of the limelight it's not that he needs to be right there in the centre with the big operators. He can be there. He's not afraid of it. But I think he's most at home in the backstage with the people that count. And the people that count is you and me, all of us. And so while all is a buzz in Jerusalem, and that's where the action is, where's Jesus? He's walking away with two people who probably wouldn't be known to anybody else but him. Two insignificant people, and he's there. Now, I take it for granted when I speak to God that I've got his full attention, and probably you do too. What an audacious thought it is to think that with all the world to control, we've got his sole attention. But it's not audacious because this story tells us that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, can now be with each individual one of us. And all we need to do is to recognise it. We don't need to pray, come Jesus. We need to say, Lord, let me see you. In Matthew's Gospel, at the end of uh, Jesus' uh, life on earth, he says, lo, I am with you always. Present tense, and he says it to everybody. And that reminds me of what was said, to Jesus, said about Jesus at the very beginning of his life on earth. Who was he called? He was called Emmanuel, God with us. And not just God with us at the beginning of our journeys, not just God with us when there's a particular crisis, but God with us every day. God here. Close your eyes and look to the, your, to the side and just imagine that God, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is with you. And that's why I think the Emmaus Road is such a wonderful story. It is that God is with us now. He's with you. He's with me. He'll be with you when you leave this church. And he'll be with you forever. And all we need to do is to say, 
Lord, help me to find the ways in which I can be aware of that and to make that a reality in my life. It's a great story. Let's take it away with us.